So seconds out, delighted to be joined by Frank Warren, Hall of Fame promoter and the first UK promoter to bring boxing back, of course, starting this Friday. How important was it to you to be the first? Uh, for me, it's, it's not about being the first. It's, it's getting the work, getting it done. And for me, it's more important that boxing's back. Um, the fact that we've worked very hard with the border control, with the uh, health, health people, um, doctors and so forth, it's just... You know, we need to get our fighters out. We need to get them busy again. We need to get boxing back on television, even though um, obviously we've got no, it's behind closed doors. And we need to make it relevant as a sport. You know, all the other sports are back on and up. And we've got to be there with them. And it's important our sport is there. I saw some comments from uh, Board General Secretary Robert Smith yesterday, how thankful he was that the major promoters in the UK have managed to avoid clashes for the most part. Is that something you thought about when you were putting the shows together to avoid clashing with anyone else? Well, we did, you know, and I had lots of conversations with, with um, Robert, and what I suggested to him is that even if there were clashes, that we spin coins. You know, I don't care if I'll win and I'll go first, somebody can go the week after and so forth. But um, the facts of the matter is, I think we're the only ones doing any shows this month. I, I don't think anybody else is. So it is what it is, and uh, we just move forward. I'm sure going down the road there's going to be clashes because that's the nature of the sport. Um, but as it is now, it's, it's important that we... Just focus on, you know, getting getting an event out of the way and seeing how it works because there's, you know, this is new ground for everybody. Um, we're in a studio; it's a closed environment. You know, boxers won't have the fans behind them. There'll be no home boxers. Both the fighters will be uh, basically away, guys. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they all respond to it. Just an idea of how the fight week process works. We saw some of the boxers getting their swab test yesterday. Will they now all stay in quarantine in the same hotel until fight night? How does that all work? Well, they've had their test. They'll go, they'll, they will then go into a hotel. They'll have further tests. Uh, they'll be monitored. They won't be allowed to um, to mix with other people. It's a closed environment. And uh, they've got to stay that way. We've seen in the States, I think a couple of shows, a couple of shows uh, or Bob Aaron put on, top-ranked shows, they had some problems. One fighter, I think, went to the casino. <laughs> None of that can be allowed to happen. This is really important that these fighters, and it's not just the fighters, it's everybody involved. It's the cornerman, it's the man, if, if there are managers or trainers, every one of them has to be very responsible. You know, we're also going into quarantine, are the, our officials and doctors. So it's something that's never happened before. And obviously it's an expense and a cost that we have to bear. Is that one of the reasons you decided not to have press at these shows, partly because it's even more people to be tested and even more risk? No, not at all, Dan. The problem is, is that we're in an enclosed environment and we chose to go to a studio because it's easier to control. We felt it's a safer environment for everybody and it's e easier to handle and maintain that security. There's only a certain amount of people allowed in the building at the studio. It's the biggest indoor television studio in Europe, but it's uh, only a certain amount of people are allowed in there and you've got to take into consideration some of them are going to be BT staff and personnel and some of the people who actually work in the building. So we can only have a certain amount of people in there as far as BT's health and safety is concerned and their insurance, and that's what it is. So, you know, I'm mean, I mean, at the moment, it's whether I'm even going to get there because we've got to have people who are key people to be there, you know, can actually be working properly on the night. So that that's where we are at the moment. You know, I've had everybody saying to me they want to go, want to, you know, their friends want to go and see the fires. None of that's going to happen. You know, don't embarrass me and don't embarrass yourselves by ask, asking these things. It's only the participants and the immediate 
people who work with them. With the um, Matchroom Fight Camp shows, they did a thing of announcing all the cars in one go with all the fights listed. I'm not sure if all of them will hold up. As you said, Top Rank have had problems themselves. Was one of the reasons you guys didn't do that because you've gone earlier, so you didn't have as much time to clarify every single fight? Well, it's a bit of both of that. I mean, one of the fights was going to be Anthony Kakashi and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Leon Woodstock. So that was going to be, a, which is a good fight. Unfortunately, uh, he's had a, he's had a couple of teeth taken out, so he's had to stop training and so forth. So thankfully, we didn't actually announce dates for him. But we're announcing all our dates. So I hope by the end of by the end of this week or over the weekend, we'll announce our four dates. They're they're all done now, and we just went for some contracts to come back. And once they're back, we can announce them. But we're ready to go. We've got regular shows coming up. And we hopefully they'll go well. We're late, then we get into our second tranche of shows that will start from September onwards. And is it right? We saw some stuff back and forth on Twitter. Is it right the Umar Sadiq challenge to Lerone Richards might be pushed back a little bit? It's pushed back because Lerone Richards, uh, we was unaware of this. His wife has, or his girlfriend, or his partner has had a baby, so he's uh, out of action. So that's pushed back. Can you give us any hints into who might fill those gaps with, obviously, Kakachi and, and Richards unavailable? No, I think we're going to surprise you with a few things, but, it's you know, we've got to get them over the line, and I don't want to be saying things that are not going to, ha- going to happen. It's, you know, it's difficult enough as it is now, Dan. It's not being evasive, but, we you know, we need to get all our stuff nailed down before we answer that question. How receptive have the boxers been, by and large, to competing behind closed doors? I know... I've seen tweets from certain boxers, not necessarily in your stable, saying, no, I'll wait till the crowd's back. Some have got the luxury to wait and see, some haven't. What has your experience been? Well, obviously, they're, they're fighting men and they're frustrated, like we all are. They all want to get in the ring and fight. Um, look, we'll do our best to accommodate everybody who wants to fight. Those who choose not to fight until there's an live audience, that's obviously down to them. But the fact of the matter is I can't tell anybody, nor indeed can anyone, say when sport is going to take place before a live audience. It may not be this year. I hope it's going to be. I mean, we've got some got a big show cancelled in for October, and fingers crossed that's going to happen. Talking of big shows that you had a hand in, Josh Taylor's uh, mandatory defence against Appine and Kong Song. Any idea when that might be rescheduled for? Um, I think that's going to be rescheduled for the autumn. So, again, waiting for the date and seeing what we're going to do with that. And is Fury Wilder 3, I think a lot of people are interested about this, is that still likely to happen this year, just before Christmas maybe? Well, that's the intention, is to get it on as soon as possible. Um, you know, dates, a date has been mentioned for Vegas, I think, in December. Um, I mean, obviously, Tyson wants to get in the ring before then, as we all want to see him in the ring before then. But again, it all depends on whether there's going to be a live audience there or not. And... You guided Billy Joe Saunders for a long time in his career. For most of that time, he was chasing the likes of Triple G and Canelo Alvarez. What did you make of his decision in the last couple of weeks to walk away, at least for now, from the Canelo Alvarez fight, having pursued it for so long? That's his choice. I mean, uh, you know, as you say, I'm no longer you know working with Bill. I wish him all best for the future. Whenever he decides to do that, it's up to him. I mean, that's his decision. It's not even in my mind. We're talking of other guys that you don't currently work with. News broke this morning that Dillian White has split from his longtime trainer, Mark Tibbs, um, and the rest of his team as well, Richard Reakpour and John Harding Jr. 
and moving on, ostensibly for logistical reasons, although it does appear to be a permanent split. What what do you make of that? I didn't know. I, I knew nothing of, of that. You just uh, you just given me the news. I, I was unaware of that. Um, I don't know your marks that a good trainer and so forth. God knows what's happened. It's nothing unusual in boxing, is it? We see it happen all the time. Boxers leave, go here to there and everywhere. I don't know what it's I mean. But, you know, I'm supposed, I suppose really deep down, maybe he's taking his frustration out on them in, in as much that he's been sitting on his backside for two years waiting for a shot at the title while everybody's, you know, he's, he's at the bus stop and the bus don't stop there. And he keeps seeing everybody going on fighting for world titles. It's not happened for him. But they're choices. You make choices. He made a choice. Has he had the opportunity to sit down and talk with you about potentially pursuing a different path? Who? Dillian? Yeah. It's an open door. He, he, has, he hasn't even got a knock on it. It's open. You know, we, 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 we tried to get him, you know, we tried to do something uh, a while ago. He chose to stay at Metrum. And since he stayed there, I mean, he, look, he's still not had his world title fight despite the fact he was number one in two organisations at the time. I think it was the WBO, he was number one. And he was number one in the BC. And we all know what happened regarding the BC. But while he's number one in the WBO, that should have been an easy fight to make with him and AJ. They were both promoted by the same promoter. And it didn't happen. So, you know, if I was there, I'd be scratching my head and asking him why. Mind you, if he keeps scratching his head, wondering why he's not had a world title fight, he'd be down to, down to the bone there on it. <laughs> if he was with you, would you be comfortable putting him in with Tyson before Tyson against Joshua? Well, if he'd come with us, and Tyson at the moment has an obligation. His obligation is to fight Wilder. After that, we'll see what happens. You know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, uh, it, you know, it's there. But one thing for sure, Tyson signed with me, and within six months of signing with me, he fought for the world title. When Tyson signed with me the first time, within six months, he fought Klitschko for the world title. We got him into that number one position and the fight happened. We fought that fight to happen. The problem, I guess, and it's a nice problem to have, if Dillian White did come over to you, you'd then have him, Bois, Boyce, uh, Tyson, people coming up as well, like David Adelaide. You'd be very kind of heavyweight, heavy, if you like. Is that kind of a nice problem to have? Well, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy where I am now. If Dillian wants to come and join the party, that's great. We'd love to have him on board. Not a problem with that. But, you know, it, it's very exciting times for the heavyweight division. I mean, I can't think, you know, in my time in boxing, it's ever been so exciting as far as the Britain's concerned. You know, we've got uh, how many belts in the UK? It's, yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? You know, it's amazing. It's all here. And good quality champions and, more importantly, good youngsters coming through as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really thrilled to be involved in, in the fighters that we're involved in in that division.
This is Andy Perot for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by Chantelle Cameron up here in Manchester. Chantelle, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Obviously, it's good to hear you doing well. I know I just kind of had to run outside <laughs> to grab you then as you were driving off. It's my fault for missing you on your way out. But how are you finding, well, I say life in lockdown, we're kind of easing back out of it now. Yeah. How have you found these past few months, sir? It's not been too bad, really. I think you just got to make the most of it. The first like couple of weeks were a struggle. Because obviously he was only allowed one one hour of exercise per day, and then it was like having to squeeze everything in that hour, so that was quite annoying. And training in the back garden that weren't great because you just have neighbours like staring down at you. So I was off putting. <laughs> I was trying to do back work and I just felt eyes on me and I was like, mm. you kept kept putting me off. I mean, training wise, what was you able to do? You know, away from the gym. Um. So just running, cycling. Yeah and doing circuits in my garden because I've got quite a big garden luckily and got a bag put up so I got scaffolding and got my dad to build it <laughs> um, Obviously coming back into the gym as well now these past what, two or three weeks um, how have you found it? Have you found being able to get back into kind of a normal routine? Loving it, just being able to actually like be in the gym around other people, training around other people doing pads um, it's been it's been good yeah I think it made you, like the lockdown made you a little bit more hungrier because you kind of take it for granted yeah. And then when you haven't done it for a couple of months, you realise how much you want to start hitting the pad and sparring because bags are, I hate bags, they bore me. They've always bored me, but now they really bore me. Is there anyone in particular who's there since everybody's been able to come back into the gym has impressed you the most by just how maybe, how much they've kept on top of their training during lockdown? I think everyone did. I think everyone was keeping on top of it. There was a, you've seen all the, everyone like doing, doing their, gym sessions at home I think so I think there's quite a few especially on Instagram everyone's doing the home workouts every day I was going on there and I was seeing everyone it was actually motivating me I was thinking I feel so lazy I need to work out because <laughs> I seen all these posts I was thinking oh god it's making me feel so lazy I was thinking about having a day off <laughs> if you felt lazy I don't really know what to say about myself but um Obviously, you had a new, a new gym member who isn't here today who's joined up, well, two of them in Dave Allen and Danny Morrell. What How's Dave settled in? I've actually not been up here when okay. he's been up here, so I'm not too, not too <laughs> sure. How do you think he's settled in from what everybody said? I think, said? Uh, I imagine he's settled in really well. I think he would have uh, just eased in this. I think Jamie and Nigel and every, all the lads in the gym, just it's a welcome, welcoming in gym, so I couldn't see that there being no issues. Let's obviously come on to yourself now and... There isn't anything official announced for yourself with regards to fight dates and what have you. What are you looking at though? What have you been speaking to your management team about and everything? Um, so obviously Katie Taylor, the August 22nd, but it looks like they're giving Delphine the rematch, which she does deserve as well. I think she won the first fight, so she does deserve the rematch. But um, obviously they was looking for an opponent, so I just piped up thinking, oh, well, I'm here. I'm in Britain. I've, I've been ticking over, so... But nothing's come off that, so I'm just waiting. That's kind of frustrating because I had nothing, so I just want, just want something set in yeah. stone. That's something I was going to ask you about. Obviously, originally Katie was meant to face Amanda Serrano. What did you make of that entire kind of outburst over social media between all the parties and being able to see what had unfolded with regards to a contractual dispute? It was all on Twitter, weren't it? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some of it and I just started flooding out. It was, uh, yeah, I just think, whatever happens in boxing, you don't put that sort of stuff like, on Twitter, do you? Just <laughs> give give each other a call or something. But um, I think, I see both both sides really, but again, like, nobody knows the ins and outs of it, so you can't really comment really, because Amanda's saying one thing, they're saying another thing, and 
just the agreement couldn't be made. But I think if I, I don't think she was like avoiding Ke, but I, I don't know. It's just a bit of a strange one. If Kaye and Amanda did still face each other, how do you think that fight would play out? I thought that I was really excited for that fight. That was probably the the best fight for female boxing that I would have been like. That is a fifty-fifty. Um, I don't know because everyone says about Amanda Serrano's size, but I think she is a big puncher as well, and she's fit, she's strong, she comes forward. So the size thing, I don't think that really matters that much because she's she's going to come in a lot of it anyway. And Katie's not a big puncher, so I think it could have been a really interesting fight. Okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick a winner up with that one. Um, the other person that you mentioned there as well, Delphine Pursuing, being with those rumours and that flying about that she may well get that rematch. What are your thoughts if that does go ahead and if she was to face her again? I think Katie will box a different fight this time. I think Katie will have to be smart this time because she, I think she nearly got stopped. If there was a few more seconds in the round, she would have been stopped. So. She's going to have to change her tactics. I think Delphine Pursuing will come in exactly the same, um, pressure. I think Delphine will come in and do, do the exact same thing. But I think Kate will just be a little bit too smart. I think Kate will win comfortably this time. But I do think Delphine won the first fight. And obviously you're kind of you know, waiting in the wings for your own <laughs> opportunity. How long do you think it will be until you get your own crack at those walls? holes? So it was meant to be May the 23rd, but obviously because of Corona, um, nothing come off. So I was getting a world title shot on May the 23rd. But now, no idea what's happening. It's frustrating. Um, final thought, I just want to get your thoughts on, obviously, it's happening in August. Uh, Tasha Jonas versus Terry Harper. What are your thoughts on that fight? Another really good fight. I think everybody's underestimating Tasha Jonas. I've been sparring her, and she's yeah. sharp. And I think if she turns up on the night, I think it could be a big upset. I think Tasha just has to turn up. And she's a big puncher as well, Tasha. I don't think people realise that she, she, she can really whack. And she's accurate as well, she's very accurate. When she hits you, she hits you clean and flush. I think um, people are underestimating her because of that one loss. And I think you just can't do it. I think everyone's going to have a bad day and the, the loss was a bad loss, but Tasha's training hard and it seems like she's really switched on. So who knows? It's going to be a very good fight. Chantelle, we'll leave that there now. And we'll leave you to finally leave. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be you again. I appreciate your time. Uh, stay safe and I'll speak to you soon. Thank Thanks you. for being to Boxing Social. No worries, thank you. This is Coogan Cassis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined once again by the hitman himself, Ricky Hatton. How are you, Rick? How are you doing? How are you doing, mate? All good. Enjoy your birthday. Yeah. yeah 21 save again. Me, save me some cake. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's in the post. The cake's in the post, Rick. What, um, are, you doing, what are you doing in the back of a car there? I'm having a bit of work done at my house and the drilling was driving me mad. I thought, I can't have the drilling while I'm talking to you, so I've just gone and sat what? in the car. Put you on the back, of, on the back seat of someone's car again, mate, there, no? Fake taxi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you're on about. <laughs> don't know what you're on about. I just, I just heard the term a little while ago. How you been keeping, Rick? Yeah, I've been good. I think, um, I think everyone's relaxed a little bit now, haven't they? I think... Um, 
I mean, that that's not a good thing, actually, even though, you know what I mean? I mean, we're still going to keep on the ball, aren't we? But I think um, we're over the worst of it. I mean, shops are opening, pubs are opening, flights are opening to go abroad now. So I think we're over the worst of it. I think we've just got to be be sensible. And I think we're nearly home now, you know, so it's uh, it's been good from where we've... Uh, where we were a few months ago to where we are now, I think we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Were you one of the first ones down the pub or did you give it a miss? <laughs> no, I never, I never went to uh, the pub on the Saturday. I went on the Sunday and I went into Manchester for the first time in, in four months just um, for anything, just to, just to have an nosy, cur- just curiosity to see what it's, uh, what it's all about. But it was... It was good to get out of the house, you know, and, you know, good to something different, something, something new, but it, it wasn't the same, but it's not going to be the same. It was pretty quiet, pretty dead, but we still had a, a good laugh. And the, the main thing is, is uh, progress is being made, isn't it? It was nice to just take, to get out of the house. I mean, because, you know, when we were allowed a few people, family members to come back, and had a few people around the house, you know, to watch the, the football and, and stuff like that. But... Uh, you know, once you've had a couple of weeks of them on your belt, you just want to get out of the house and go somewhere different, don't you? So it was uh, it was good to get out. And I just, uh, over the next few weeks, I think it'll get easier and easier, a little bit more freedom will be given. But I do think we're over the worst of it now. Quick question about the football. When you watch it, do you have the crowd on or off? I had the crowd on. I had it off. Uh, and it was, um, it was like watching a friendly. It was crap, wasn't it? You know, just like no atmosphere, and it is what it is. At least the crowd makes it um, makes it a bit something uh, something like you know. Uh, I could still hear them scousers putting the fireworks out on outside the Etihad though when they uh, when they won the league. But uh, now, fair play, the um, you know they were the best team over the league. We had a season of missed chances and whatnot, and the best team won it in the end. So. Uh, no, com- uh, no complaints. We've got to concentrate on the uh, on the cups now, and that's uh, whipping you in the semi final, isn't it, mate? Arsenal. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to share some sort of optimism about it, but with Arsenal, you never know what you're getting. So I kind of expect us probably to go out at that stage. So we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good though. I think um, I think when the football started, mate, brought a bit of. Um, bit of oomph back into our lives, didn't it? Again, you know what I mean? You know, we, you know, we're missing the boxing, missing the football, couldn't get out of the house and that. And even though, you know, we couldn't go to the match and it was on the TV, that, that made a difference. You know, you can have your couple of pals around, watch the game, or go to your, to your mate's house and watch the game there. And I think that, uh, that is the tension a little bit, bringing the footy back. Mm, absolutely. So, boxing does return, actually, tomorrow night. Um, Frank Warren... Uh, launches his return with the BT Sports Studios shows, which begin tomorrow. Matchroom begin in roughly three weeks. So we're getting some boxing back. We haven't got an audience and a crowd there, but at least boxing is coming back to some sort of capacity, Rick. Yeah, you know, it's all baby steps at the minute, whether it be the football, whether it be the boxing. I can't think of too many fights off the, off the top of my head that um, uh, on, on, on uh, Eddie's or Frank's... Um, or BT or Sky's shows, uh, I should say for that matter, but uh, it's going to be a good couple of weeks. There's some good fights on, isn't there? I can't yeah. think of any off the top of my head, but there's some really good fights. Um, 
I think the Harper and Jonas fight, you know, the ladies fight, I think that's uh, an interesting one, which will probably come a little bit sooner than maybe might have been expected. But I think the lockdown's going to make for better fights, I think. Because, mm. you know, the bigger fights, you know, because we've been, been waiting on the boxing, you know, people have to get stuck in a little bit more now, don't they, I feel, so... Yeah, well, we're definitely looking forward to that. Obviously, starting tomorrow night on on BT Sport. But um, just c- want to talk to you about a few of the issues that have been kind of running over the last month. There's boxing's always like a soap opera, and it's always got uh, various issues going on. But um, I wanted to ask you what you thought about Billy Joe Saunders ruling himself out for or being in contention, shall we say, for the Canelo fight. Um, he's outlined his reasons, uh, but he's pretty much said that, you know, uh, the money implications and also the length of time in order to get ready, as in from the date uh, the fight was announced, wouldn't be kind of to his favour. So he's ruling himself out. What do you think about that, Rick? Well, you know, I believe Billy's in pretty decent shape. I mean, Billy Billy has been known, you know, like myself, I guess, you know, to go up a few pounds, you know, in, the, in between fights. I mean, that's... But I believe um, from Ben Davidson, he's been keeping on top of things. He's been keeping in pretty good shape. But still, I think, did they give him six six weeks, Coogan? I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think... Something like, something like that, you know, to fight Canelo. And because of, you know, the, the you know the, the crowds, you can't have the crowds there and that. They wanted him to give, uh, to take a bit of a, a lower purse and stuff like that. I think um, that's your... Something like that. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders is a two-weight world champion. I mean, so what he's done has been fantastic. We all know what Billy Joe's capable of, but the one thing that Billy was lacking, and I think Billy will say himself, was that big name, that big defining fight, which he got with Canelo. But I don't blame him for knocking it back. If you want a defining fight against Canelo, you're paying the proper money for it. Can't blame him for you know for yeah. for, for, for pulling out on, on that. You know, it's one thing about taking the opportunity when it's there. But Billy, you know, if Billy puts in the good performances, once we come out of this shit, he'll he'll, he'll get his shot again, I think, unless you know, unless Canelo gets the ump or sees his ass and don't want to give it him. But I don't think you can blame Billy. I think Billy's in pretty decent shape for where Billy's at, especially during the lockdown. But if you're gonna get your defining fight against Someone like Canelo, who's number one pound for pound on the top of his game, you won't pay the right money for it. So don't blame Billy one bit. And and Rick, you know some fighters are like this. Obviously, they need that date uh, cemented for them to actually officially and properly mentally start their camp. Because obviously, Billy Joe's been out in the Fiat Ventura with Ben Davison, and probably has put on a little bit of weight as well. Yeah, but- I spoke to Ben. I spoke to Ben on the phone, and Ben said, you know. He's not in bad shape. You know, everyone keeps going on about the weight because nine times out of ten, that is the case with Billy. He said, but it's not been the case. You know, he said uh, he's in pretty decent shape where he's at. But still, you know, when when I, I couldn't do a fight in six weeks, Coop. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't do a fight in eight weeks. Do you know what I mean? So Billy's not going to... Billy's in the same, you know. You've got to, you know, get your weight down first and then build it up slowly as you go along. And when you're used to doing... 12 weeks or 10 weeks to all of a sudden be given six weeks and being given a lesser purse because of circumstances. I don't think there's anyone out there that can blame him for knocking it back, you know. Mm. He's got to be, like I said, financially and also the best kind of, the longest and best camp preparation for him for a fight like yeah. that is, is crucial. 
And he's got to know he's done everything right up there as well, hasn't he? And if he's not been given the right time he's used to, that's another one, isn't it, yeah? It's mad to think, Rick, that when you were fighting, the amount of kind of, you were known for it, you know, in between camps, the amount of weight you had to drop, and you always did it, but, you know, it wasn't, I suppose, the most ideal way of doing things, but it, it kind of, it suited you in some respects. Yeah, well, I, I never, I never um, struggled at making the weight. I never struggled to get down at 10 stone. Believe it or not, making the weight was not easy. It's where I fucking come from in order to make it, which was my problem. And, you know, Frank Warren, you know, if he, Frank Warren or, you know, or any me, the, me promoter at the time, if anyone had to come up to me and say, Rick, you've got, um, you've got eight weeks to, you know, to, to get in shape for this fight, and I fucking pissed myself. <laughs> just not, it just couldn't be done. But I know once I had the right time to do it gradually at the right time, Steady, steady, building up my stamina, dropping the weight, building up my strength as the weight was coming down. I never used, I never struggled at making the weight. And that sounds strange, but it was from the weight that, well, the weight I used to come down from, which was the dangerous part. But I always had enough time to do it. And I think, you know, Billy's experience enough that, you know, listen, I've got that fight there. It's a good payday, but I'm cramming everything in and I'm not getting paid what I probably should get paid. So there it goes, and I just fingers crossed. I hope we get, I hope he gets um, another chance at it. Absolutely. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined once again by the hitman himself, Ricky Hatton. How are you, Rick? How are you doing? How are you doing, mate? All good. Enjoy your birthday. Yeah. yeah 21 save again. Me, save me some cake. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's in the post. The cake's in the post, Rick. What, um, are, you doing, what are you doing in the back of a car there? I'm having a bit of work done at my house and the drilling was driving me mad. I thought, I can't have the drilling while I'm talking to you. So I've just gone and sat what? in the car. Put you on the back, of, on the back seat of someone's car again, mate, there, no? Fake taxi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you're on about. <laughs> don't know what you're on about. I just, I just heard the term a little while ago. How you been keeping, Rick? Yeah, I've been good. I think, um, I think everyone's relaxed a little bit now, haven't they? I think... Um, I mean, that, that's not a good thing, actually, even though, you know what I mean? I mean, we're still going to keep on the ball, aren't we? But I think um, we're over the worst a bit. I mean, shops are opening, pubs are opening, flights are opening to go abroad now. So I think we're over the worst of it. I think we've just got to be be sensible. And I think we're nearly home now, you know, so it's uh, it's been good from where, we've, uh, where we were a few months ago to where we are now. I think we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Were you one of the first ones down the pub, or did you give it a miss? <laughs> no, I never, I never went to uh, the pub on the Saturday. I went on the Sunday, and I went into Manchester for the first time in, in four months. Just um, 
for anything, just to just to have a nosy cure, you know, just curiosity to see what it's uh, what it's all about. But it was it was good to get out of the house, you know, and you know, good to something different, something something new. But it it wasn't the same. But it's not going to be the same. It was pretty quiet, pretty dead, but we still had a, a good laugh. And the the main thing is is. Uh, progress is being made in it it was nice to just to get, to get out of the house i mean because you know when we were allowed a few people family members to come back and had a few people around the house you know to watch the, the football and and stuff like that but uh, you know once you've had a couple of weeks of them on your belt you just want to get out of the house and go somewhere different don't you so it was uh it was good to get out and i just uh over the next few weeks i think it'll get easier and easier a little bit more freedom will be given but I do think we're over the worst of it now. Quick question about the football. When you watch it, do you have the crowd on or off? I had the crowd on. I had it off. Uh, and it was um, it was like watching a friendly. It was crap, wasn't it? You know, just like no atmosphere. And it is what it is. At least the crowd makes it um, makes it a bit something uh, something like, you know. Uh, I could still hear them scousers putting the fireworks out on outside the Etienne, though. When they uh, when they won the league, but uh, now fair play, the um, you know they were the best team over the league. We had a season of missed chances and whatnot, and the best team won it in the end. So uh, no com uh, no complaints. We've got to concentrate on the uh, on the cups now, and that's uh, whipping you in the semi final, isn't it, mate? Arsenal. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to share some sort of optimism about it, but with Arsenal, you never know what you're getting. So. I kind of expect us probably to go out at that stage, so we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good though. I think uh, I think when the football started, mate, brought a bit of um, bit of oomph back into our lives, didn't it? Again, you know what I mean. You know, we you know we're missing the boxing, missing the football, couldn't get out of the house and that. And even though you know we couldn't go to the match and it was on the TV, I think that made a difference. You know, you can have your couple of pals round, watch the game, or go to your to make house and watch the game there. I think that, uh, that is the tension a little bit, bringing the footy back. Mm, absolutely. So, boxing does return, actually, tomorrow night. Um, Frank Warren uh, launches his return with the BT Sports Studios shows, which begin tomorrow. Matchroom begin in roughly three weeks. So, we're getting some boxing back. We haven't got an audience and a crowd there, but at least boxing is coming back to some sort of capacity, Rick. Yeah, you know, it's all baby steps at the minute, whether it be the football, whether it be the boxing. I can't think of too many fights off the, off the top of my head that um, uh, on, on, on uh, Eddie's or Frank's um, or BT or Sky's shows, uh, I should say for that matter, but um, it's going to be a good couple of weeks. There's some good fights on, isn't there? I can't yeah. think of any off the top of my head, but there's some really good fights. Um, I think the Harper and Jonas fight, you know, the ladies fight, I think that's... Uh, an interesting one, which will probably come a little bit sooner than maybe might have been expected. But I think the lockdown is going to make for better fights. I think because mm. you know the bigger fights, you know, because we've been been waiting on the boxing. You know, people have to get stuck in a little bit more now, don't they? I feel so. Yeah, well, we're definitely looking forward to that. Obviously, starting tomorrow night on on BT Sport. But um, just want to talk to you about a few of the issues that have been kind of running over the last month. There's boxing's always like a soap opera and it's always got uh, various issues going on. But um, I wanted to ask you what you thought about Billy Joe Saunders ruling himself out for 
or been in contention, shall we say, for the Canelo fight. Um, he's outlined his reasons, uh, but he's pretty much said that, you know, uh, the money implications and also the length of time in order to get ready, as in from the date uh, the fight was announced, wouldn't be kind of to his favour. So he's ruling himself out. What do you think about that, Rick? Well, you know, I believe Billy's in pretty decent shape. I mean, Billy, Billy has been known, you know, like myself, I guess, you know, to go up a few pounds, you know, in the in between fights. I mean, that's. But I believe um, from Ben Davidson, he's been keeping on top of things. He's been keeping in pretty good shape. But still, I think did they give him six six weeks, Coogan? I'm not too sure to be honest. I think something like, something like that, you know, to fight Canelo, and because of. You know the, the you know the, the crowds. You can't have the crowds there, and that they wanted him to give uh, to take a bit of a, a lower purse and stuff like that. I think um, that's you uh, something like that. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders is a two weight world champion. I mean, so what he's done has been fantastic. And we all know what Billy Joe's capable of. But the one thing that Billy was lacking, and I think Billy will say himself, was that big name, that big de defining fight, which he got with Canelo. But I don't blame him for knocking it back. If you want a defining fight against Canelo, you're paying the proper money for it. Can't blame him for, you know, for, yeah. for, for, for pulling out on, on that. You know, it's one thing about taking the opportunity when it's there. But Billy, you know, if Billy puts in the good performances, once we come out of this shit, he'll get his shot again, I think. Unless, you know, unless Canelo gets the ump or sees his ass and don't want to give it him. But I don't think you can blame Billy. I think Billy's in pretty decent shape for where Billy's at, especially during the lockdown. But if you're going to get your defining fight against someone like Canelo, who's number one pound for pound on the top of his game, you won't be paying the right money for it. So don't blame Billy one bit. And, and Rick, you know, some fighters are like this. Obviously, they need that date uh, cemented for them to actually officially and properly mentally start their camp because obviously Billy Joe's been out in the field of Ventura with Ben Davison and probably has put on a little bit of weight as well. Yeah, well, I spoke to Ben. I spoke to Ben on the phone and Ben said, you know, he's not in bad shape. You know, everyone keeps going on about the weight because nine times out of ten that is the case with Billy. He said, but it's not been the case. You know, he said uh, he's in pretty decent shape where he's at. But still, you know, when when I I couldn't do a fight in six weeks, Coop. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't do a fight in eight weeks. Do you know what I mean? So Billy's not going to, Billy's in the same, you know, you've got to, you know, get your weight down first and then build it up slowly as you go along. And when you're used to doing 12 weeks or 10 weeks to all of a sudden be given six weeks and being given a lesser purse because of circumstances, I don't think there's anyone out there that can blame him for knocking it back, you know. He's got to be, like I said, financially and also the best kind of, the longest and best camp preparation for him for a fight like yeah. that is, is crucial. And he's got to know he's done everything right up there as well, hasn't he? And if he's not been given the right time he's used to, that's another one, isn't it? Yeah. It's mad to think, Rick, that when you were fighting, the amount of kind of, you were known for it, you know, in between camps, the amount of weight you had to drop and you always did it, but, you know, it wasn't, I suppose, the most ideal way of doing things, but it, it kind of, it suited you in some respects. Yeah, well, I, I never, I never um, struggled at making the weight. I never struggled to get down at 10 stone, believe it or not. Making the weight was not easy. It's where I fucking come from. 
in order to make it, which was my problem. And you know, Frank Warren, you know, if he, Frank Warren or you know, or any me, the, me promoter at the time, if anyone had to come up to me and say, Rick, you've got um, you've got eight weeks to you know to, to get in shape for this fight, and I fucking pissed myself. <laughs> just not, it just couldn't be done. But I know once I had the right time to do it gradually at the right time. Steady, steady, building up my stamina, dropping the weight, building up my strength as the weight was coming down. I never used, I never struggled at making the weight. And that sounds strange, but it was from the weight that, well, the weight I used to come down from, which was the dangerous part. But I always had enough time to do it. And I think, you know, Billy's experience enough that, you know, listen, I've got that fight there. It's a good payday, but I'm cramming everything in and I'm not getting paid what I probably should get paid. So there it goes, and I just fingers crossed. I hope we get, I hope we get um, another chance at it. Absolutely. This is Andy Perrault for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by a former boxer and our trainer Jamie Moore up here in Manchester. Jamie, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm okay, thank you mate. That's good to hear. Now obviously you've got a stuck gym, quite a, quite a day today for yourself. Uh, right, sure. you're me off my <laughs> See, this is what I've got to fucking put up with all the time. Can't even count. <laughs> um, obviously you've got Carl Frampton and Akib Fiaz in the background there. Call um, sparring with Aki. How, what do you make of kind of their sparring sessions? I think they're great. I think um, so. Akib's obviously young, hungry, up and coming. He's improving all the time. So that keeps Carl on his toes and it makes him sort of have to perform at a certain level. And I, I think obviously that Carl's ring generalship, his, his experience, the little things that he does, which Akib's still sort of growing into and learning, um, that sort of brings it out. So for instance, then just those little um, pockets of sparring where he was doing, he was doing some inside work and some body work and Carl started using his angles and changing the angles, whereas Akib at first was just straight down the middle. And then the next time, so we went away from it, did some other stuff and then went back to the body sparring. And then straight away, Akib started using the angles on his feet because obviously it was something that worked for Carl two rounds before. So he's, He's a sponge like that, he really does sort of take it on board quick and, and adapt and adjust really well. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite liking that. We've been doing a lot of tech sparring because it started off obviously when we was first back in and we had to be careful about distancing and stuff. So we was working on footwork more than anything, just st still keeping away. And then as time's gone on, we've sort of got it a little bit closer together, but uh, it's working really well and I can see not just, he's not bringing Aki on, he's actually bringing Carl on as well because he's sort of, Revisiting things, what maybe you know, fighters like him who've got that much experience, they, they sometimes something what they're really good at, and they go away from it because they forget about it. So, um, so it's sort of, sort of triggering things for him as well. Obviously, Aki P has a fight day, August fourteenth. Uh, came seventh. Seventh, sorry, yeah. but, but obviously a consecutive show as we've yeah, yeah. But August seventh, uh, Aki P versus Kane Baker. Just talk to me about that fight, Jamie. Obviously, I interviewed Kane. Uh, Last week, I believe it was in Kane. Seems to believe that his experience will pay dividends on the night. 
Eddie's been keen on having 50-50 matchups. What are your thoughts on their fight? Well, yeah, it, it is a, a very good matchup. I think Styles will gel well, so it'll make for a, an entertaining fight for the fans. So Akib's not very experienced in the professional ranks, so to speak. He's had five fights, but his ring craft, um, his, his technique, his experience in general. You know, he's been boxing since he was 11 years old. And probably about the same weight, so he, he, he was a big kid, and then he sort of grown into it. And as he went through the years, he won the ABAs, at, you know, so many years on the on the bounds, all at the same weight as he was growing. So, so he's got a lot of experience. He's been over to, I mean, he trains and spars with Carl and Jack Catterall, you know, week in week out, and the stuff what he's learned from them. Um, over the last 18 months. I've seen that kid grow so much over the last 18 months. And bear in mind, that's on the back of him coming here as a 17-year-old, doing a few rounds with Carl. And even then, we was like, this kid's good. So um, so, so he's added a lot to his style. So so on the surface of it, I can understand where they're coming from, but, but that, that won't come into play on the night. You know, it's going, it's going to be a good fight. Um, I think Kane's a, a good fighter, and, and, and he's, you know he's going to give him give him a tough test, and it'll be a good fight for the, for, the, for the people watching on the TV as well. But um, but Akib's a special fighter; he's going to he's going to go a long way. If Akib's obviously successful on the night, as I've said, Eddie's been keen to try and make as many close to 50-50 matchups as he can. Is there kind of going to be a pressure for not just Akib but the other fighters who are on the cards? to be in those types of fights moving forward, despite Akib's you know, lack of professional experience? Um, I, I won't say pressure, but I, th I think it's important that Eddie, they, they're going to, moving forward, they're going to have a relationship where, you know, once we go back to normal and the, and the arenas are full and Eddie uh, sits down and looks right, who are we going to put on these cards? He's got to reflect on this time period. You know, there's going to be a lot of fighters who have been offered fights and have turned them down because the money isn't quite where it is in general because the arenas aren't full. Um, and they're going, oh, well, you know, I want a bit more money for that fight. So, so I'm sure he'll look back in six months' time or 12 months' time, maybe it'll go in Akib's favour where he goes, who should put on this fight you know or does Akib deserve a little bit more money for this fight well you know does the right favour on, on, on that card coming through so um, so yeah I, I think you'll like him listen Akib sells tickets he sells tickets he can fight um, he's, he's I, would, I wouldn't say this fight is 50-50 I'd say it's probably 60-40 in Akib's favour but for a, for a kid who's 5-0 and who's already been match tough since, since he turned pro I, I wanted him match tough not, not too tough because that's stupid, but I wanted him in competitive fights because you learn more than it improves. I didn't want him to turn pro and have two years of fighting journeyman because you go backwards. I didn't want him to go backwards. I wanted him to go forwards. And uh, so, so obviously we respect Kane as a fighter. So it's not like we're overlooking him, but it's just, I know that this will be really good for Akib's education moving forward and making him to a better fighter. Obviously, just to move away from Akib and try to get to some of the other guys, or girls, and then start off with Chantel. Chantel, she wanted to throw a hat into the ring for potential Katie Taylor fighters. It all blew up between Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, what have you, over social media. Where does the land lie with that? Do you think it is possible we could see Katie stepping with, uh, sorry, uh, Chantel stepping with Katie? Well, she's ready. If, if, they, if the phone rings and they want Chantel to fight Katie Taylor, then she'll fight her. Um, I've told her to 
you know, that could happen because you don't know what's happened. It looks, you know, Serrano's not going to fight it now. So it looks like they're going for the rematch with Pursuit. Um, now, if that fight happens, that's a great fight. So you can't, you can't sort of complain about that. But outside of that fight, for, if you're talking about the easiest fights to make um, under the current circumstances um, and the fights that fans want to see, then Chantel's got to come after that. So if Pursuit can't be done, then, then hopefully they come um, for Chantel. The only reason I can think of, because Chantel's a mandatory challenger, so the only reason I can think of that it wouldn't have happened is, is that they don't want that fight. So um, you, know, it's, you know, it's pretty understandable, Chantel's unbeaten, coming through. Um, you, you can sort of look at it from Kane's point of view and go, why do I need that fight? You know, especially when there's no crowds, because it's going to be physically a tough fight. Um, so I'm hoping that we get the phone call, even if it's on four weeks' notice, if they get to that stage and they're going, well, we're struggling, she'll be ready because she's in the gym and she's training. Obviously, you've got Dave Allen as well, who's joined up with yourself. He's had a couple of weeks now to settle in. How's he been looking? Yeah, he's been looking really good. I think it was four, four weeks now he's been yeah. training and um, he really settled in. Um, he's, he's the right sort of character for this gym. He's, uh, he's, he's slotted right in. He surprised me. I've got to be honest, he surprised me because just talking to him before he came here about his, his habits, his training routine and stuff, they're not what you would expect. And so I expected his fitness levels and, and you know even his technique and stuff, so to speak, um, to not be what they are. But he surprised me. You come on, when, when the first run he came on with a lad, he was right there with, with a lad right at the front. And, uh, and he's not run for a long, long time, apparently. So um, I think genetically he's gifted. Um, he's got a lot of skill, which I don't think you've seen, you've not even scratched the surface with him because he's never really been in a position to, to expose himself to people because he's, he's maybe cut corners. So I'm excited about him performing because, you know, I've said to him, Dave, you've got the, the amount of talent you've got, it'd be a criminal to not show people how good you are and, you know, give it a couple of years and you could beat anyone. I, I mean, literally, he's, he's that good. He, he's just, he's not been able to show it. So, um, so we'll see. That, that, the only thing is, time will tell, we'll see, but so far, so good. There was obviously those talks, or all those rumours and talks about a potential Huey Fury fight. Where did everything kind of land with that as well? Dave, Dave accepted the fight. Um, Huey accepted the fight, and then for whatever reason, they didn't do it. I, th you know, I think it was that Matrim was, was struggling to fit into that card because of the finances and stuff, which is understandable because there's no crowds and stuff like that. So, um, but, so but from, from what I can understand, both sides accepted the fight and, um, and they just didn't move forward with it. So it was no one's fault. It was just we, we accepted it and uh, we, we was looking forward to doing it and it just didn't happen. Moving away from that, obviously, you've got Carl Frampton, Stephen Ward, Martin Murray, Rocky Fielding, and I probably saw this out of missed out, but nobody else kind of has dates set. What's kind of a plan with them back in the gym at the minute? Carl's looking at early August. We're still waiting for the date, date to be confirmed, but it's looking like early August. Um, we're waiting on a date for Jack Carroll, who's been waiting, seems like, for an eternity for his world title shot. He's been mandatory for over 18 months now. Um, but because of the way things are, the politics of it, it's just... It's understandable, it's difficult to do because of Ramirez's position and um, holding two world titles, he's already got a mandatory from the WBC. So it, it's so hard to enforce your mandatory. Um, potentially, he might end up boxing for the interim title 
so in the meantime because we don't want him to stagnate and be, be sat around so we're just waiting for confirmation of that but um but yeah i think like i say carl stephen ward is he's looking like a big cruiserweight now so so you look at him now he, he was over here a couple of weeks ago and he's gone back back home now just because he has got a fight date but just being over there and you look at the size and you think why do you even contemplate doing light heavyweight he's crazy he, lo he looks like a big cruiserweight so I'm looking forward to how he um, performs when he's out there as well Rocky's just took a little break um, with the kids in Ibiza so um, because he's got nothing lined up but you know there was talk about him and Chavez um, they've been going back and forth on social media um, but Martin's in that position again you know he's, he's, he's the back end of his career and he's just waiting to see what comes up the opportunity there was talk of him boxing in America because he's never had a visa to be able to travel and box in America up until now now he has got it and he's sort of in the twilight of his career but he's hoping that he can he can maybe get a, a big fight he's had a couple of fights last year and had a, had a couple of wins so um, hopefully something big will come up for him just moving away from the gym, just a few things to quickly get your thoughts on. Um, start off with Dillian White, it's just come out that he's split from Mark Tibbs because of logistical reasons, but what, what do you make of that? I didn't know that. It's just come out, so I haven't yet. So Dylan's left Mark Tibbs? Well, I don't know. I mean, listen, there must be a reason behind it, but Mark Tibbs is a very, very good trainer. So, um, so it, that surprises me because I thought there was a... You know, there's a it's pretty much a team you know they they go hand in hand so yeah it does surprise me um oh god i can't believe that actually <laughs> um obviously dillian was getting ready for the pavekian fight but instead of touching on that uh, maurizio Sullivan has come out and said that after world of fury 3 whoever wins that will have to face dillian white next and there's a lot of talk about the potential undisputed fight between aj and fury but what do you make of that do you think it's right that dillian gets a, the chance before the undisputed or well, obviously, I think he should have had his shot by now. Should should have already had his shot. But you know, if we're talking about what fight do I want to see personally? Obviously, like everybody else in the world, I want to see AJ versus Fury. But that doesn't mean that Dylan White shouldn't have had his shot and doesn't deserve his shot. I just I feel so sorry for him because it's the politics in boxing sometimes can ruin it. Um, I've got a feeling the WBC are going to pull one of their old tricks where they promote <laughs> you better check them undies mate <laughs> you've definitely filled them undies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think they'll probably um, upgrade the Fury Wilder winner to Emeritus champion or whatever. Franchise. Oh, Maurizio Franchise has also champion. come out and said that he won't be upgrading. Um, he said that, has he? He said he won't be upgrading. Fra uh, then, then, franchise. then what they're going to do? So, if, so the WBC are going to turn away AJV Fiore. The only, the only thing I can possibly think of is that if Fiore wins, which I'm assuming he will, he'll give the WBC title up, and and that fight doesn't need titles. AJV v Fiore. They could fight each other in a 12 round. It wouldn't, wouldn't make it um, a dot of difference. It, everyone would recognise that as the undisputed championship. Just for those who may not be aware, Carl Frampton just walked shit past. Shit, <laughs> he's just basically shit his pants when he walked past. <laughs> he's kind of thrown me a little bit. He's giggling away in the background there. But um, obviously, just to move away again from that, uh, Jamie, and just want to get your thoughts on fights that have recently been announced. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell. What do you make of that for WBC interim title? That's a great fight. 
great, great fight. Um, it's, it's, it's a great fight because there's loads of unanswered questions. Um, you know, when you look at Luke Campbell, um, his, his regime, he's got, he's got a solid regime, but Ryan Garcia hasn't yet. He's got loads of you know, bags of potential and it's, it's a bit of a sort of unanswered question there. You know, Campbell's got to look at Garcia and go, I really don't know what I'm going in with here. Obviously, he's an explosive puncher and he looks the part, but at what sort of level? Luke Campbell's really good at negating people and shutting down or stopping you from doing what you're good at. Um, but from, from looking at Garcia, one punch can change everything. So uh, it's, a, it's a great fight, that. I hope it, just hope it comes off. Because I'm not sure whether Garcia will follow it through. He has been offered that other fight against WBO, WBO um, Eliminator. Like, yeah. yeah, and and I don't know the, the the kid, but by all accounts, what I've read of him, he's a good solid fighter as well. So it's it's not an easy fight. So, um, but to me, the more intriguing fight is the Campbell fight. I hope he follows it through. You've also had uh, for the WBC Diamond Belt, uh, Jorge Linares versus Javier Fortuna announced again. Jamie, you know what are your thoughts on that? Well, I just understand. I don't understand really where Devin Haney comes into the picture because you can't gift him an interim title and then not involve him in stuff where you're making up titles. The whole point of an interim title is, while the main title's held up for whatever reason, they're not stagnating, and then when, if and when they're available, you match them with them. So, so why have they not matched Linares with Haney? Doesn't make sense to me. It's a better fight. What do you make of kind of the, the total situation? So in that, in that division in particular, you've got Vasil Lomachenko, who's franchise title holder, uh, Campbell versus Garcia would be for the interim, Linares versus Fortuna for the diamond, and Devin Haney holds the normal WBC world title. Four Mental, titles crazy. But so the only, the only possible way you can any make, make any sense of it is for financial reason. That's, that's why it's happening. The only way they can fix it is by doing what they're trying to do. So by the look of it, they're trying to plan a tournament between all the guys to eventually find out who's the actual WBC champion because by the look of it, they've lost the, the path themselves. They don't really know who's the actual WBC champion. So hopefully all the guys will, will, will fall into it. They offer them the right sort of financial deal, the promoters can work together and they can do some sort of tournament to find out who's the best because God, there's some talent, that, that is some stacked talent, um, there are five or six fighters there who, who have a round robin tournament, whoever comes out on the top of that is uh, he's going to be some fighter, you know, Lomachenko's probably going to come out on top but, um, but what a tournament that would be. Jamie, final thing which I forgot to ask about earlier, a man who Cole was obviously looking to face and was probably close to announcing something with Jamal Herring, he returns to boxing next week against Jonathan Aquendo on Tuesday night, I believe it was. Obviously he just uh, tested positive for coronavirus but has since recovered and uh, obviously everything looks well there. But what do you make of that? Will you be tuning in to watch? Of course uh, we'll. Yeah, I mean, the, the plan is still, you know, Carl, Carl's going to box in August and the plan is still before the end of the year that he'll box Herring. So, uh, I'll be keeping a close look on that. Um, you know, I'm assuming it won't be too much of a dangerous fight for him uh, because obviously the, the Carl's fight's planned for around the end of the year. But uh, yeah, I'll be tuning in and uh, taking my notes. Jamo, we'll leave you now to go and enjoy the rest of Carl's comforts. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, mate. We'll, we'll change his napper.
This is Andy Perrault for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by former boxer and now trainer Jamie Moore up here in Manchester. Jamie, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm okay, thank you mate. That's good to hear. Now obviously you've got a stuck gym, quite a, quite a day today for yourself. Uh, ah, you sure. me off okay, <laughs> See, this is what I've got to fucking put up with all the time. Can't even count. <laughs> um, obviously you've got Carl Frampton and Aki Fiaz in the background there. Call um, sparring with Akib. How, what do you make of kind of their sparring sessions? I think they're great. I think um, so. Akib's obviously young, hungry, up and coming. He's improving all the time. So that keeps Carl on his toes and it makes him sort of have to perform at a certain level. And I, I think obviously that Carl's ring generalship, his, his experience, the little things that he does, which Akib's still sort of growing into and learning, um, that sort of brings it out. So for instance then just those little um, pockets of sparring where he was doing, he was doing some inside work and some body work and Carl started using his angles and changing the angles whereas Akib at first was just straight down the middle and then the next time, so we went away from it, did some other stuff and then went back to the body sparring and then straight away Akib started using the angles in his feet because obviously it was something that worked for Carl two rounds before. So he's, He's a sponge like that, he really does sort of take it on board quick and, and adapt and adjust really well. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite liking that. We've been doing a lot of tech sparring because it started off obviously when we was first back in and we had to be careful about distancing and stuff. So we was working on footwork more than anything, just st still keeping away. And then as time's gone on, we've sort of got it a little bit closer together, but uh, it's working really well. And I can see not just, he's not bringing Akib on, he's actually bringing Carl on as well because he's sort of, Revisiting things, what maybe you know, fighters like him who've got that much experience, they, they sometimes something what they're really good at, and they go away from it because they forget about it. So, um, so it's sort of, sort of triggering things for him as well. I'll see Akip. He has a fight day, August fourteenth. Uh, seventh. Seventh. Sorry, yeah. this, this, obviously a consecutive show as we yeah, match yeah. him. But August seventh, uh, Akip Piaz versus Kane Baker. Just talk to me about that fight, Jamie. Obviously, I interviewed Kane. Uh, Last week, I believe it was, and Kane seems to believe that his experience will pay dividends on the night. Eddie's been keen on having 50-50 matchups. What are your thoughts on their fight? Well, yeah, it, it is a, a very good matchup. I think styles will gel well, so it'll make for a, an entertaining fight for the fans. So Akib's not very experienced in the professional ranks, so to speak. He's had five fights, but his ring craft, um, his, his technique, his experience in general, you know, he's been boxing since he was 11 years old <laughs> and probably about the same weight. So he, he, he was a big kid and then he sort of grown into it. And as he went through the years, he won the ABAs at, you know, so many years on the, on the bounce, all at the same weight as he was growing. So, so he's got a lot of experience. He's been over to, I mean, he trains and spars with Carl and Jack Carroll, you know, week in, week out. And the stuff what he's learned from them um, over the last 18 months. I've seen that kid grow so much over the last 18 months. And bear in mind, that's on the back of him coming here as a 17-year-old, doing a few rounds with Carl. And even then, we was like, this kid's good. So um, so, so he's added a lot to his style. So so on the surface of it, I can understand where they're coming from, but that, that won't come into play on the night. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna be a good fight. Um, I think Kane's a, a good fighter, and, and, and he's, you know he's going to give him give him a tough test, and it'll be a good fight for the, for the, for the people watching on the TV as well. But um, but Akib's a special fighter; he's going to he's going to go a long way.
if Akim's obviously successful, I'm annoyed. As I've said, Eddie's been keen to try and make as many close to 50-50 matchups as he can. Is there kind of going to be a pressure for not just Aki, but the other fighters who are on the cards to be in those types of fights moving forward, despite Akim's you know, lack of professional experience? Um, I, I won't say pressure, but I think it's important that Eddie, they're going to move it forward. They're going to have a relationship where you know. Once we go back to normal and the, and the arenas are full and Eddie uh, sits down and looks right, who are we going to put on these cards? You've got to reflect on this time period. You know, there's going to be a lot of fighters who have been offered fights and have turned them down because the money isn't quite where it is in general because the, the arenas aren't full. Um, and they're going, oh, well, you know, I want a bit more money for that fight. So, so I'm sure he'll look back in six months' time or 12 months' time Maybe it'll go in Akib's favour where he goes, who should put on this fight? You know, or does Akib deserve a little bit more money for this fight? Well, you know, doing the right favour on, on, on that card coming through. So, um, so yeah, I, I think he'll like him. Listen, Akib sells tickets. He sells tickets, he can fight. Um, he's, he's, I, would, I wouldn't say this fight is 50-50. I'd say it's probably 60-40 in Akib's favour. But for a, for a kid who's 5-0, who's already been match tough since, since he turned pro. I, I wanted him match tough, not, not too tough because that's stupid, but I wanted him in competitive fights because you learn more than it improves. I didn't want him to turn pro and have two years of fighting journeyman because you go backwards. I didn't want him to go backwards, I wanted him to go forwards. And uh, so, so obviously we respect Kane as a fighter. So it's not like we're overlooking him, but it's just, I know that this will be really good for Akib's education moving forward and making him to a better fighter. Obviously, just to move away from Akib and try to get to some of the other guys, or a girls and in start off with Chantel. Chantel, she wanted to throw a hat into the ring for potential Katie Taylor fighters. It all blew up between Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, what have you, over social media. Where does the land lie with that? Do you think it is possible we could see Katie stepping with, uh, sorry, um, Chantel stepping with Katie? Well, she's ready. If, if, they, if the phone rings and they want Chantel to fight Katie Taylor, then she'll fight her. Um, I've told her to, you know, that could happen because you don't know what's happening. It looks, no, Serrano's not going to fight her now. So it looks like they're going for the rematch with Pursuit. Um, now, if that fight happens, that's a great fight. So you can't, you can't sort of complain about that. But outside of that fight, for, if you're talking about the easiest fights to make um, under the current circumstances um, and the fights that fans want to see, then Chantel's got to come after that. So if Pursuit can't be done, then, then hopefully they come um, for Chantel. The only reason I can think of, because Chantel's a mandatory challenger, so the only reason I can think of that it wouldn't have happened is, is that they don't want that fight. So, um, so it's, you know, it's pretty understandable, Chantel's unbeaten, coming through. Um, you, you can sort of look at it from Kane's point of view and go, why do I need that fight? You know, especially when there's no crowds, because it's going to be physically a tough fight. Um, so I'm hoping that we get the phone call, even if it's on four weeks notice, if they get to that stage and they're going, well, we're struggling, she'll be ready because she's in the gym, she's training. Obviously you've got Dave Allen as well, who's joined up with yourself, he's had a couple of weeks now to settle in. How's he been looking? Yeah, he's been looking really good. I think it was four, four weeks now he's been yeah. training and um, he really settled in. Um, he's, a, he's the right sort of character for this gym. He's, a, he's, he's slotted right in, he's surprised me. I've got to be honest, he surprised me because just talking to him before he came here about his, his habits, his training routine and stuff, they're not what you would expect. And 
so I expected his fitness levels and, and you know even his technique and stuff so to speak um, to not be what they are but they surprised me you come on when, when the first run he came on with a lad he was right there with, with a lad right at the front and, uh, and he's not run for a long long time apparently so um, I think genetically he's gifted um, he's got a lot of skill which I don't think you've seen you've not even scratched the surface with him because he's never really been in a position to to expose himself to people because he's, he's maybe cut corners so I'm excited about him performing because you know I've said to him, Dave, you've got the, the amount of talent you've got, it'd be a criminal to not show people how good you are and, you know, give it a couple of years and you could beat anyone. I, I mean, literally, he's, he's that good. He, he's just, he's not been able to show it. So, um, so we'll see. That, that, the only thing is, time will tell, we'll see, but so far, so good. There was obviously those talks, or all those rumours and talks about a potential Huey Fury fight. Where did everything kind of land with that as well? Dave, Dave accepted the fight. Um, Huey accepted the fight, and then for whatever reason, they didn't do. It. I th you know, I think it was that Matroom was was struggling to fit into that card because of the finances and stuff, which is understandable because there's no crowds and stuff like that. So, um, but so but from, from what I can understand, both sides accepted the fight, and um, and they just didn't move forward with it. So it was no one's fault. It was just we, we accepted it and. Uh, we, we was looking forward to doing it and it just didn't happen. Moving away from that, obviously you've got Carl Frampton, Stephen Ward, Martin Murray, Rocky Fielding, and I probably saw us that I've missed out, but nobody else kind of has dates set. What's kind of a plan with them back in the gym at the minute? Carl's looking at early August. We're still waiting for the date, date to be confirmed, but it's looking like early August. Um, we're waiting on a date for Jack Carroll, who's been waiting, seems like, for an eternity for his world title shot. He's been mandatory for over 18 months now. Um, but because of the way things are, the politics of it, it's just, it's understandable, it's difficult to do because of Ramirez's position, um, with him holding two world titles, he's already got a mandatory from the WBC. So, it, it's so hard to enforce your mandatory. Um, potentially, he might end up boxing for the interim title. So, in the meantime, because we don't want him to stagnate and be, be sat around. So, we're just waiting for confirmation of that. But. Um, but yeah, I, think, I, I say Carl, Stephen Ward is, is looking like a big cruiserweight now. So, so you look at him now, he, he was over here a couple of weeks ago and he's gone back, back home now just because he has got a fight date. But just being over here and you look at the size and you think, why do you even contemplate doing light heavyweight? It's crazy. He, lo he looks like a big cruiserweight. So looking forward to how he um, performs when he's out there as well. Rocky's just took a little break. Um, with the kids in Ibiza, so um, because he's got nothing lined up, but you know there was talk about him and Chavez. Um, they've been going back and forth on social media, um, but Martin's in that position again. You know he's, he's the back end of his career, and he's just waiting to see what comes up. The opportunity there was talk of him boxing in America because he's never had a visa to be able to travel and box in America up until now. Now he has got it. And he's sort of in the twilight of his career, but he's hoping that he can he can maybe get a, a big fight. He's had a couple of fights last year and had a had a couple of wins, so um, hopefully something big will come up for him. Just moving away from the gym, just a few things quickly get your thoughts on. Um, start off with Dillian. What has just come out that he's split from Mark Tibbs because of logistical reasons. But what what do you make of that? I didn't know that. It's just come out, so yeah. So Dylan's left Mark Tibbs. Well, I don't know. I mean, listen, there must be a reason behind it. But Mark Tibbs is a very, very good trainer. So, um, so it, that surprises me because I thought there was a, 
you know, there was a, it was pretty much a team, you know, they, they go hand in hand. So, yeah, it does surprise me. Um, oh God, I can't believe that, actually. Um, obviously, Dillian was getting ready for the Povetkin fight, but instead of touching on that, uh, Maurizio Sullivan has come out and said that after World of Fury 3, whoever wins that will have to face Dillian White next. And there's a lot of talk about the potential undisputed fight between AJ and Fury. But what do you make of that? Do you think it's right that Dillian gets a, the chance before the undisputed? Or? Well, obviously. I think he should have had his shot by now. He should, should have already had his shot. But. You know, if we're talking about what fight do I want to see personally, obviously, like everybody else in the world, I want to see AJ versus Fury. But that doesn't mean that Dylan White shouldn't have had his shot and doesn't deserve his shot. I just, I feel so sorry for him because it's, the politics in boxing sometimes can ruin it. Um, I've got a feeling the WBC are going to pull one of their old tricks where they promote... <laughs> You better check them undies, mate. <laughs> You've definitely filled them undies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think they'll probably um, upgrade Fu the Fury Wilder winner to Emeritus Champion or whatever. Franchise. Oh, Maurizio Franchise has also champion. come out and said that he won't be upgrading. Um, he toys. said that, has he? He said he won't be upgrading fra uh, then, then, Franchise. Then what are they going to do? So, so the WBC are going to turn away AJ v Fiore. The only the only thing I can possibly think of is that if Fiore wins, which I'm assuming he will, he'll give the WBC title up, and and that fight doesn't need titles. AJ v, v Fiore, they could fight each other in a 12 round. It wouldn't wouldn't make it um, a, a dot of difference. It, everyone would recognise that as the undisputed championship. Just for those who may not be aware, Carl Frampton just. Shit his pants. <laughs> he's just basically shit his pants when he walked past. <laughs> he's kind of thrown me a little bit. He's giggling away in the background there. But um, obviously, just to move away again from that, uh, Jamie, and just want to get your thoughts on fights that have recently been announced. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell. What do you make of that for WBC interim title? That's a great fight. Great, great fight. Um, it's, it's, it's a great fight because there's loads of unanswered questions. Um, you know, when you look at Luke Campbell, um, his, his regime, he's got, he's got a solid regime, but Ryan Garcia hasn't yet. He's got loads of you know, bags of potential, and it's, it's a bit of a sort of unanswered question there. You know, Campbell's got to look at Garcia and go, I really don't know what I'm going in with here. Obviously, he's an explosive puncher and he looks the part, but at what sort of level? Luke Campbell's really good at negating people and shutting down. Or stopping you from doing what you're good at, um, but from, from looking at Garcia, one punch can change everything. So uh, it's, a, it's a great fight. That I hope it just hope it comes off because I'm not sure whether Garcia will follow it through. He has been offered that other fight against WBO, WBO, WBO Eliminator. Like, yeah. yeah, and and I don't know the, the the kid, but by all accounts, what I've read of him, he's a good solid fighter as well. So it's it's not an easy fight. So, um, but. To me, the more intriguing fight is the Campbell fight. I hope he follows it through. You've also had, uh, for the WBC Diamond Belt, uh, Jorge Linares versus Javier Fortuna announced. Again, Jamie, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I just understand, I don't understand really where Devin Amy comes into the picture because you can't gift him an interim title and then not involve him in stuff where you're making up titles. The whole point of an interim title is, while the main title's held up for whatever reason, 
they're not stagnating and then when if and when they're available you match them with them so so why have they not matched Linares with Heiner? Doesn't make sense to me. It's a better fight. What do you make of kind of the, the tall situation? So in that, in that division in particular, you've got Vasil Lomachenko, who's franchise title holder. Uh, Campbell versus Garcia would be for the interim. Linares versus Fortuna for a diamond. And Devin Haney holds the normal WBC world title. Four Mental. Titles Crazy. But so the only, the only possible way you can any make, make any sense of it is for financial reason that's that's why it's happening the only way they can fix it is by doing what they're trying to do so by the look of it they're trying to plan a tournament between all the guys to eventually find out who's the actual WBC champion because by the look of it they've lost the, the path themselves they don't really know who's the actual WBC champion so hopefully all the guys will, will, will fall into it they offer them the right sort of um, financial deal the promoters can work together and they can do some sort of tournament to find out who's the best because God, there's some talent that that is some stacked talent um the, the five or six fighters there who, who have a round robin tournament whoever comes out on the top of that is a uh, he's going to be some fire you know lomachenko's probably going to come out on top but um but what a tournament that would be Jamie, final thing which I forgot to ask about earlier, a man who Cole was obviously looking to face and was probably close to announcing something with Jamal Herrin, he returns to boxing next week against Jonathan Aquendo on Tuesday night, I believe it was. Obviously he just uh, tested positive for coronavirus but has since recovered and uh, obviously everything looks well there. But what do you make of that? Will you be tuning in to watch? Of course uh, we will. Yeah, I mean, the, the plan is still... You know, Carl's going to box in August and the plan is still before the end of the year that he'll box Herring. So uh, I'll be keeping a close look on that. Um, you know, I'm assuming it won't be too much of a dangerous fight for him uh, because obviously the, the Carl's fight's planned for around the end of the year. But uh, yeah, I'll be tuning in and uh, taking my notes. Jambo, we'll leave you now to go and enjoy the rest of Carl's comforts. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, mate. We'll change, you we'll change his napper. Social.